everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Adventures in Machine Learning. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. Actually, it's topendevs.com now. I keep mixing it up. Anyway, rebrand. It's, it's a mess. Uh, we have a special guest this week, and it is Dimitrios. What's your... Like, who are you? Where are you from? <laughs> What's happening, everybody? So, Dimitrios Brinkman, I am the guy who hangs out way too much in the MLOps community. And that <laughs> is probably the shortest answer. The long answer is expat living abroad in Germany right now. I've spent the last 10 years of my life living in Spain and I fell into the MLOps community in the transition from Spain to Germany right when COVID hit. And about a few weeks before the job that I was working at, the company where I was working at went out of business. And so because everything kind of happened in that way, I had this moment where I didn't have really a house. I didn't have a job and all I had was the community. So I was able to pour my heart and soul into it. Very cool. I remember working my tail off to become a senior developer. I read every book I could get my hands on. I went to any conference I could and watched the videos about the things that I thought I needed to learn. And eventually, I got that senior developer job. And then I realized that the rest of my career looked just like where I was now. I mean, where was the rush I got from learning? What was I supposed to do to keep growing? And then I found it. I got the chance to mentor some developers. I started a podcast and helped many more developers. I did screencasts and helped even more developers. I kind of became a dev hero. And now I want to help you become one too. And if you're looking forward to something more, than doing the same thing at a different job three years from now, then join the Dev Heroes Accelerator. I'll walk you through the process of building and growing a following and finding people that you can uniquely help as you build the next stage of your career. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. So do you want to explain kind of how the community works? I mean, a lot of folks kind of get, oh, it's a Slack channel or, oh, it's this, you know, but a lot of communities do a lot of different things in a lot of different ways. So I'm, I'm curious how you're set up and how people interact and what kinds of things people get from it. Yeah, totally. And that's such a veteran understanding of it that it's not just one place, right? The community is so many different areas and you have the manifestation as a Slack channel that's probably the most active and moving, but we've also got a weekly newsletter, a monthly newsletter. We've got different initiatives that are happening, like reading group, where we'll meet every other Friday to go over a paper that's come out on MLOps or or different books that have come out on MLOps or machine learning. And then we've also got a meetup that happens once a week. And that's where I have the the grace of being able to interview smart people like Ben, who's also here with us, <laughs> and learn from them. And then we've got a podcast that comes out once a week. And that is very similar to the meetup. It's only now that we're starting to change the meetup in the podcast and make the meetups more meetup-y, where we have people present and they show us images and maybe some system design or something and some live coding or demos. And then the podcasts are more talking heads. And so we've got all of that. Um, let me think if I'm missing anything. We've also been starting something called engineering labs that's another great initiative that we've got going on i mean we have the blog we have a website where we have a comparison page that we're really trying that's where a lot of my work has been going into the last like mm -hmm. six months and we can get to that in a moment if you want but 
the the engineering labs that I wanted to talk about are where people can get their hands dirty. And so we give people a chance to play with different MLOps concepts. So the first one we did was, hey, we heard that MLflow now supports PyTorch. So we want you to do something with MLflow and PyTorch. And that was the whole lab. We would get people, everybody signed up. We put them into groups. It was very much like a, so not like a Kaggle competition kind of thing, but but a cohort, you know, where they get put into a group with people that they don't know. They have this vague description of something that they want to do. And then they go out and they do it. And afterwards, they write a blog about it. We interview them about it, how the process was, all that. So that's the Cliff Notes version of the uh the engineering labs. That sounds amazing. So is this a free group or is it a paid group or? Yeah, so it's totally free. Everything is is free. And we are lucky enough to have some awesome sponsors that are able to make everything free. And I guess that kind of, it helps that I had a background in sales. So I was able to go out and get sponsors before they probably should have been giving us money. <laughs> and. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but they've just been awesome. I mean, to date, we have Tekton is sponsoring us, Algorithmia, which is now Data Robot. We've got uh, Superwise and we've got Fiddler. And they're all committed to just making this place, the community, like they want to put their energy and their faith and everything they can behind it because they understand what a, a benefit it is for the greater machine learning community. I think that's a great point on, because uh, when I think about a community in, in different areas, it's usually just a bunch of enthusiasts getting together. And obviously, that co- the community you're talking about is pretty large. But sponsors is something I think that's not on many people's radars, because, you know, it's all just enthusiasts having fun and putting their time in and a focus on, yeah, community, people, no capitalist interests, that kind of thing. But I think that's, like you said, I think it's a win-win, because usually there's good return on, on investment, even if they're doing it for the cause, so to speak, for companies to, to help out these communities, because that's where you get champions and we can get some grassroots support for for whatever your the thing you, it, it is you're you're selling. But but I think it's yeah it's it's a win win. And I'd be curious to hear more about is this something that companies came to the community with, or is that something you had to do a lot of pulling? So oh totally. So such a good point there that you're talking about. Like just them associating with the community, I feel like it's a very much grassroots kind of thing. And I also like I mentioned at the beginning when the community was first starting, I didn't have a job. So there was a lot of me thinking like, is this monetizable? Should I even try and go down that route? Can I do something with this? Is it just like, I knew it was very good for me as a person to do this because I was learning a ton every week that I was interviewing people. But then I was wondering, is there something that I could do with this to make it like my main job, right? And so when that happened, I started playing around with ideas on sponsorship. And I was lucky enough to have had a relationship already with, I'm sure you all know Sam Charrington from Twimmel and his large following and podcast that he has. And what he told me was because I asked him about like, hey, what, you know, what do you think about this? Here's where we're at right now. I feel like it's viable to try and do something with asking people for money, which I was a little bit hesitant to do. And I definitely knew I didn't want to do it on the user side as like a paid community. 
I wanted it to be, if anything, because there are so many MLOps companies out there that are getting such ridiculous funding rounds. <laughs> I was like, they're going to be the ones that are footing the bill on this. <laughs> and that right. may be... <laughs> that may be a little too raw and unedited for what I should be saying, but but that was kind of my my rationale around it. And to the question of if they started, if they approached us, or if I had to go out, I think in the beginning I had to like just float the question. So in the beginning, too, one thing that changed a lot was that I went out to every single MLOps company out there, and I asked to get someone from that company on our meetup because I was using it as a way to make relations with these different companies to try and get jobs at the companies. So self-serving. <laughs> I know, but I want to be yeah, continue with this realness with you guys. But the idea there was like, oh, well, if I get somebody from that company on, then maybe I can float the idea that, hey, I'm you know without a job. I kind of know a little bit about this stuff. And are you guys hiring? And uh so in the beginning, I was getting a lot of different companies to come on. And when they would come on, then after a while, some of them would start asking. So, you know, in normal meetups, how do we... How, normal meetups, we would like pay for pizza and drinks and stuff. What can we do here? How can we sponsor this meetup? Because it was virtual. And mm -hmm. so that got me thinking like, oh, well, if they're asking, but I don't have an idea yet of what I should be charging that probably means I should figure something out. And so that's when I went to Sam and I started asking him more about like how he structures things, what he does. I also asked just different people in the community. And then I went and I started asking and I started floating it whenever someone would come to me that worked at a company, an ML ops or an ML tooling company, I would say something like, yeah, you know, now we're toning down the like vendor talks, as I would call them. And if you want to give one of those, you got to, sign up for the sponsorship and here's what what it is and then i would give them like the sponsorship package mm, interesting i still want to pick your brain on how this is all put together because I mean, from my perspective as somebody who was i don't know I, I joined the community back before there was like a thousand people i remember you making an announcement like hey we hit a thousand it's like this is going to grow much bigger than that man but uh it's a unique there are a lot of communities out there like this that try to get ml practitioners together and it seems to most of them devolve into just flame wars from what I've seen of somebody posting something caustic and then a whole bunch of people arguing about it. And it really, and that's what I see in those communities is it's people that are sort of nascent in their journey in ML or data science or ML ops or that are having these arguments because they're coming from a position of almost like it's a personal attack on them because they only, they know this one. Yeah. They think they know really well, but they don't know anything else. And that's, that's a fear for them. So they just latch onto this and fight tooth and nail over it. But in the community you've built, you've managed to attract some pretty seasoned people. There are people that are in this community that I've met such as, you know, including myself in this, who were, was a data scientist before that was a term, before that was a job title. And interacting with people that have been doing this 20, 30 years, you get that perspective of like, yeah, tools are tools. We're not going to argue about that. Let's talk about the fundamentals here. Mm -hmm. And you have the, but you also have that new group of people coming in who can ask people that have been there, done that and get that perspective. I'm looking at Slack right now, actually, for the MLOps community. My apologies to the 47 people that have messaged me that I haven't gotten back to in the last three days. But that's... <laughs> that you get in that community. 
it's awesome. I mean, what you've built is something very special. And I can't like take total credit for that. That's something that really happened. It's, I, I like to say, like, I set all the dominoes up and for some reason or other, luck, we could call it, they fell. But I really think you make such a good point. And I've seen so many where it's not that have that kind of seasoned veteran mentality there. It's just that the seasoned veterans, some most of the time, they tend to be a little bit more arrogant. And it's <clears> like, you're asking what kind of question or you have the, there's the typical rock star mentality and like you're a noob so you should figure this out somewhere else because you're diluting our community and in our in what we have at the ml ops community is we're so lucky to have so many of these really really smart people that are very generous with their time in answering these questions but i think i mean Ben, you can tell me why why you spend time answering questions, but I get the feeling that if you have a really smart answer that you see on a thread and then you put something in and then somebody else puts something in and it's all like mentally stimulating for you at the level that you're at, it makes you want to continue to do that, right? It is more of a one of these beginner groups. People are fighting over things that really don't matter. Then you don't really feel the, the drive to jump in on those threads because you realize what they're fighting about is, is a waste of time, right? So that's yeah. what I, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, exactly. In the threads, of course, in every community, you're going to have people sort of trolling each other intentionally. And sometimes that's amusing and most of the time it's just annoying. But there's no convincing anybody of a rational, logical discussion when that happens, regardless of what level they're at or whether they are open to listening to reason because they've already made up their minds and then maybe they're doing it because they're bored. But two aspects of your your question that you had of what do you get out of help new people, the noobs, as, as you said, if you're experienced and you're not spending at least a little bit of your time helping those people, I think you're doing a disservice to your profession because they're your replacement. And I think as any anybody from an engineering background who has high technical skills after a certain period of time should be wanting to do exactly what any parent wants to do is your children. You want them to be better at life or better at what they do than you are. And I see this, I have that same perspective in the community or any act with, with new people, you want to see them grow and do better things than you are able to do. But then those other conversations with other experienced people you get a lot out of seeing somebody else's perspective because just having that discourse with them, you're you're putting on their moccasins and walking a thousand miles in them, but you didn't get to see their journey along that path. So seeing that other perspective, like, oh, this person is an expert in this other field of data science or ML than, than I've ever worked on. And we're talking about software development standards for ML or something. And all of a sudden, you're like, now I see why they do it that way. I'm going to go learn about that. So it pushes you and it's it's cool. So how many people are in the community? We talked a little bit about this beforehand, but if, if I jump in and I'm like, I'm going to help more people than Ben, how, how many people are going to be around? That's that's a, that's a high or a high a bar, difficult right? goal to accomplish, but there's about 6,300 total in the community. Slap. Oh, wow. We've got, I think, 
with the weekly email, it goes out to around 2,000 people. The monthly email goes around to around like 5,500. 5, on like the podcasts and meetups, we'll generally get around 1,000 to 1,500. That's like the standard of listens across platforms. And then you have ones that pop and they'll get whatever, like 2,000, 5,000 and do a little bit better. But it's... and. I would say in Slack, so you can see the Slack analytics too. And we've got, I think it's around 1,500 monthly active members. So people that are actually active on a monthly basis. And that's something that I I think about a lot. Like, But we can get into that in a whole nother. If you want to go down that route is like how to minimize the churn or how to make sure that people who are coming stay and they find value in it. Yeah, I'd be interested to know that. I mean, it seems like you part of it's the community, right? You know, you you talked a lot about what people contribute to the community, but yeah, how do you how do you keep things interesting for people so that they're getting what they need? Yeah, definitely is something that I try and iterate quickly, and if there's something that I'll think of like wild ideas, then and it's easy, it's not a heavy lift, I'll just go and do that. Like recently we set up geo channels so people in San Francisco have their own channel and people in New York and people in if it's a a little bit less people, then we'll do the whole country, right? Like so people in all of Sweden have their own channel. And that's something really easy to just try and see does it work or creating like a privacy and security channel. Does anybody actually care about that channel? So there's that. But also, and I think there there's something to be said for the feedback and getting actual contact with the community in a way that is not scalable, right? Like I actually, just before we got on this call, I was meeting with somebody who was new to the community and we set up this thing called Campfire. And it's this bot basically that will ask you a few questions when you first log in to the community And it says, you know, it's a whole sequence that I've set up and it's a choose your own adventure kind of thing. So you log in and it says, hey, what do you consider yourself? Like working for an ML tooling company, a practitioner or just starting. And then you click on one of those buttons and then you go down the rabbit hole on those buttons. And one of the options is, would you like to have a 15 minute conversation with myself? And so if they say, yeah, then you just send them a calendar link and boom, they can book something out. And it's been great for me to meet with these people because I get to see what they're actually interested in and how they look at, like, why do they come to the community and what would make them stay? I think those are the Mm -hmm. two main questions, right? Like, why are they coming and why would they want to stay? Like, what is going to be valuable for them? And so I always ask those questions when we get on the call. And then I also get to meet people and get to hear about the cool stuff that they're working on and, and all that. That's got to be a, a significant influx of people in time, or is that not too bad? So we, <laughs> yeah, I set it up. So calendar, however you call that app, I know you know what I'm talking about. The calendar, yeah, Calendly. Uh, Calendly, that's it, is only an hour uh, window every day. On Thursdays, no, because I usually have something booked out at that time. And I try and do it so that it's uh, friendly for US and European times. Sorry, Far East. That's uh, that's the way the cookie crumbles. But the thing is that there is that hour and then it's a 15-minute call 
And generally I'll go like 30 minutes because if it's usually great conversations, but I'll get probably two people a day. And so, yeah, it is an hour a day and it's four hours a week, which is for you all, you're probably thinking like, damn, that is crazy to talk to somebody or talk to people for four hours a week. Every week, it's not four hours. And the other thing is that for me, this is like one of the most important things when it comes to community, like keeping my finger on the pulse, making sure that I have a relation with these people so that it's not just some person uh, avatar with a picture, right? That's a really that's a really good point. I wonder if that wouldn't also help with the toxicity of the environment if you have a much more personal relationship with a lot more people than and in most communities that might make it yeah, a bit more human for, for everyone involved. That's that's a really interesting point. Yeah. So you said the bot that uses Campfire? Yeah. And this bot, like, so I'm so stoked on Campfire. I found out about them through a friend and I'm like, they're super new. And I'm trying to tell everybody I know that uh, runs a community about them because it just, it makes things so much nicer when someone onboards to the community, especially in a community of our size where we were getting messages all the time that it was like somebody that comes into the community and then they say like, wait, there's a meetup? What? Why didn't I know about this? <laughs> or wait, you guys have a newsletter? That's crazy. Uh, since when? And or like, oh, what? There's this channel? There's a whole channel for that? Uh, and so what I realized is that things were, there's so much going on in the community that it wasn't clear and it wasn't very intuitive for people just joining and nobody really, they didn't think to ask what else is there. So they would just uh -huh. hear about it if by chance they were like browsing Slack that day and they saw in general that, oh, there's a meetup happening right now, right? So what Campfire does is it really asks you, what are you interested in? And then depending on your answers, it will give you suggestions, which I've, in the background, it's me that created these like choose your own adventures. Right. But if you say like, hey, I'm really interested, what are you interested in? And I say like serving models or learning about monitoring or learning about uh, security. And then if they say security, I go, oh, well, check out this security and privacy channel. And uh -huh. also like, and there's another thing like, what what's the main thing that you want to do here? One of them is like meet new people or learn best practices, blah, blah, blah. And I say, okay, well, if it's learn best practices, then just tag Ben in every one of your questions <laughs> and you'll get, you'll get the best. Uh, no, but on all seriousness, <laughs> if they're like, yeah, meet new people, then there's two really cool other apps that I'm sure you all have heard of. Or if you haven't, uh, you definitely should check out, which is Donut. And Donut like randomly will pair people in a specific channel. So we have two donut channels. One is just virtual coffee. And that's where you like meet, you get paired up with a person that's in that channel. And then it automatically starts a DM with you. And it says like, hey, you two should meet. Boom. And then you just find a time to work. And then donut is also in this one called Coding Pals. And for that, it pairs people up. I think, yeah, it's doubles. So it puts two people together. And then it says, hey, you two should go over a coding review. And so it has people doing like coding reviews and helping each other. And what the idea there is that if you say in the campfire app, yeah, I'm here to meet people, then it will recommend that you go into these two channels. And then from there, it will make you meet up with someone, right? So 
that's the workflow that I've thought through so far. I'm sure that I can always be bettering it. And that's kind of what I'm always asking myself is like, how can I provide more value to this community? What can I do better here? Like how, and then thinking about where are we going? What is the ideas that we're trying to do? How are we going to stay this community that is like good vibes? And what can we do to make sure that that happens, right? Being very active about it. Mm -hmm. And there's something to be said about the general tone that the people that have been in the community in a while for a while, it's almost a like an implicit foundation that's laid in most of the really active channels where people suddenly start to see how this group of people that have started early on in the community kind of respond of messages. And that culture aspect, I find it fascinating that a random group of humans who are specialists or wanting to become specialists in a, a particular topic can figure that out better than most large companies can about establishing a culture and one that's inclusive and one that is just non-antagonistic for all sorts of highly biased opinions that people have. It's like people can actually have a dialogue and it's fascinating. And we, the funniest thing about that cultural aspect is that like we didn't ever specifically say like, oh, we're going to do this for the culture of the MLOps community. But there were things that I was thinking about that, I wanted to make sure that this community is like not too serious and not too stuck up. And really always, if anyone is getting like too serious or stuck up or any of that, like kind of make sure to bring them back down and (laughs) make some jokes or try and make light of it and not let anyone think that. And I think also this is just the current ecosystem that we're in is that even those who have been at it for 20 years or 30 years, like yourself, Ben, and you know better than anyone that like, there's still a ton that I can learn. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh no, it has to be this way because of this, this, and this. Just like you said earlier, like you're you're there, you're learning from others and getting to see how they approach the problems because they have this background and nobody considers themselves like the super expert, which is really what I I think about a lot. Like I wanted to actively make sure that you wouldn't get that. Like the Mm -hmm. super experts who are like going around and and having the tone where they're like the know-it-all. And so we tried to really make sure that everyone feels included. That's another thing without ever stating overtly like, hey, this is an inclusive thing. Put your pronoun on your name or whatever, you know, like we don't do any of that. We don't say any of that stuff. Like I try and actively do that, but I'm not like speaking out about making sure that we have women on the panels or like women voices in the threads, like, or that kind of stuff. I'm not trying to really make a big deal out of because I feel like if you make a big deal out of it, it's, it becomes something bigger than it should be. And this is one thing, actually, Lena, who I I believe you know, Ben, she came on and she was on the meetup a year ago or a year and a half ago. And she was the first woman on the meetup. And what happened was, is that she said, I, I told her, hey, this is awesome. 
you're the first woman on the meetup. We got to announce yeah. this. We got to make like a big thing of this because we finally got a woman on the meetup. She was like, no. She was like, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't like, do not do that. What are you doing? What are you thinking? And she's like, this is, don't. She was like, if you do that, it's like, it's not normal that there's a woman on the meetup. And it made me go like, oh yeah, actually that's so true. Like it, we're making something that isn't an issue an issue. <laughs> so I try to actively do these things with myself, but not like overtly push them onto others and just try and lead by example, uh, as cliche as that sounds. No, I like it. That was really... Wants it wants to be the, the, the token person or the... It puts focus on them being a woman instead of being an expert. Yeah, that's the definitely. way. That's the best way to put it. Hey folks, it's Charles Maxwood, and I just wanted to jump on real quick and let you know that I am putting together a podcasting course. I get asked all the time. I've been coaching people for the last six months. How do you start a podcast? How do you put it together? What do I need in order to get it going, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I've put together the curriculum, and I did it through coaching a whole bunch of people, and now I want to share it with you. You can go check out the course. It's actually going to be a masterclass. It's going to be a four-week masterclass where I actually walk you through the entire process of launching a terrific-sounding podcast and putting together content that people want to listen to. And you can find it at podcastbootcamp.io. Yeah, it's interesting what you said about the what we would call in recruiting at Databricks would be the brilliant jerks who we try to avoid at all costs from hiring. And those are some toxic people. Anybody that has that mentality, particularly, I'm amazed that there are people like that in the data science and ML community. I've met them, not in your community. I've met them in industry. <laughs> it's staggering to me, the level of hubris that some people have where they, they assume that they know everything. I was in a, a discussion about a week and a half ago because I'm now working in engineering at Databricks and on the ML engineering team, there's are widely, widely regarded uh, in the tech community as being God tier developers and engineers. Like these, these people are operating on a different level of existence than most humans. And you talk to them and they're so humble and, you know, you ask them a question uh, that you don't know if they're going to know. And they're very open and honest. They're like, I, I actually don't know that. And, but I'm going to try to go figure it out. Or, hey, do you want to figure it out together? Let's write some code and let's test it and see how that works. And what I find is the more experience that somebody becomes and the more knowledge that they gain through their career, if they're humble, they open themselves up to learning from, from others. And you start, when you go down that path of being that person, you start to realize the more you know, actually know or specialization i get in this this field it just lets me know that like wow there's this vast ocean infinite in, in depth and scope that i will never have time in my lifetime to learn and that's why communities are so great because you can talk to people that have that knowledge of that area and just quickly learn the things that you need from them yeah i want to ask a couple more questions i mean one is is you know just speaking as some of these folks have you had to remove people from the community just to give you a little bit of context, Ruby Rogues used to have its own community. We had a forum, we had a chat room, and yeah, we had to throw some people out. It was no fun. Yeah. Yeah. So luckily, it, like I'm just thinking about the one person that I was very close to banning, but he ended up leaving mm -hmm. before I banned him. I've also, I also keep close tabs on the other communities that are in this niche. Like, Locally Optimistic is a great community that's out there. Data Talks Club is another great one. And 
I talk with the like the community moderators of those communities quite a bit and I see what they do and I see who's getting kind of slapped on the wrist in their communities. And then I take a very, very short leash with those people if they come into our community. Mm-hmm. So I've made sure to keep my finger on the pulse in that way. And then I also ask, I'm quite close with Alexi, who's running Data Talks Club. And if anything happens in his Slack, he'll either tell me about it or I'll ask him about it. And so that has been great in like preventing things like having the premonition (laughs) but one time that i did i was like this close i haven't luckily i haven't had to actually i don't even know how to ban people in slack i haven't (laughs) how to do that (laughs) and it's not because (laughs) so it's an idle threat i'll ban you then once i figure out how to do it yeah you can't call your bluff you're like damn (laughs) we only had one person cross the line that we actually had to kick out Usually people would leave if we came down and said, you're out of line, they'd either shape up or leave. And actually, before we even get to the banning, uh, you mentioned like keeping being uh, ready to having a short leash or being ready for these certain people. Like, have you had to kind of put that into action, like tighter moderation or, you know, offline private message warnings or, you know, how do you handle those edge cases? Almost. Yeah, almost once a week, I have to tell someone something. And I have to delete shit that comes through general because really, and that's the main reason that I started Campfire was because I wanted to make the vendors identify themselves right as they got into the Slack (laughs) so that I would know like who to keep an eye on. And then I could throw them into the vendor channel. We have like this own private, we have our own private vendor channel. And in there, like when people act up, I can do an at channel and just be like, you all are losing out because this one person is messing it up for the rest of you. And so it's been a real push and pull primarily with the vendors because they'll come in. Usually this is how it works. They'll come in to the Slack and they'll get the four channels that you get when you come into the Slack. And then they'll be like, okay, and which one of them, like, let me just be clear on something. One of these four channels that you jump into when you first come into the MLOps community is a be shameless channel, which is set <laughs> up for you to be as shameless as humanly possible. <laughs> but they cannot just abide by the be shameless channel. They have to go and then they go into general and they say like, wow, 6,000 people. Let me just paste my whatever tool all over the place here. And hey, at everyone. I, yeah. Hey, well, luckily I learned very early to turn, turn that off. Everyone off. Yeah. I turned <laughs> that off really early. And because somebody like wrote it at everyone in the questions channel and it was like a simple question that he could have Googled. And you're like, uh, and then four people asked me to turn it off from there. <laughs> So uh-huh. yeah, I, I stopped that before we even hit a thousand. So that, but what happens is, is that you'll get these people that are posting their stuff in general. And it's, I look at it a lot like a dog who's peeing on a fire hydrant to like mark his territory. And then <laughs> the worst part is that really when I know it's bad is that I'll reach out to them and I'll say, Hey, you can't do this in general, blah, blah, blah. And then you get no response because it's probably one of 20 Slack communities. And the reason I know this, which is super hypocritical, is because I used to do it when I was in sales. And so if I had some kind of webinar that I wanted people to go to, I would go into as many Slack communities as I could and I would post about that webinar and then I would just like leave. 
And so <laughs> these, I understand that these people probably have KPIs they got to hit and they got to do things, which is totally cool, but just not in this Slack community. And I'm deleting it as fast as I see it. And general really is not for any kind of, unless it's when I will let it slide, which again, like the vendors get all kinds of creative. But if it's somebody, let's imagine just some random person is like, oh, cool. I saw about this like data and AI summit and I'm going to post it in general. But they have nothing to do with the organization that's putting that on, right? Well, Mm -hmm. then it's cool. Then it's totally fine. But if it's somebody like the marketing person from Databricks that comes over (laughs) and does that, then I've got a problem. And so that's where... (laughs) And then you get to get into like, okay, then it starts to get really interesting when you're taking money from people. <laughs> and then there is like times where others are complaining about certain people from a company that is sponsoring the community and they're not being in, they're not falling in line. And so I get all that kind of like, oh, I don't even know what you would call it, but just like that kind of drama comes up all the time. And what I've found is it's best just to talk with the people, just go straight up to them, talk with them, tell them, hey, I'm deleting this because of this, this, and this, or hey, you can't do that. Don't do it here. Please, if you're going to do it again, put it in, be shameless. Or if you're going to do this, like there's groups for this, but like uh, it's at least once a week. Or the, uh, I've noticed that it's it's toned down quite a bit, but there was a time where in some of the tech question the sort of uh, channels where you'd see people that would give like a link. They'd they'd write basically a dissertation as an answer that was leaning heavily towards using this one tool. And I'd be like, I've I've seen this person do this like three times before. Like, who is this person? And you look and it's not, they don't have a full name in Slack. And then I ask somebody else, I'm like, hey, do you know who this person is? And like, yeah, they work for this vendor tool. I'm like, yeah. Of course. Like, come on. <laughs> like, that's not even the right answer. It's like, no, don't use this tool. It's like, they're asking about how do I do this process or how do I do something for my team? You need to use our platform. It's like, <laughs> come on. Which is uh, going back to the, and it's so, it's so true. And it's so frustrating when I would see that. And going back to learning from the community and seeing what the community says about the community itself, we would do campfire, I was asking people to fill out like feedback forms. And I would ask like once every half year. And one of the things I would ask about is like, what's your least favorite part of the community? And when we were at around like 2000, 3000 people, almost like five, I can't remember how many people, but it was a large percentage of the people that filled out the feedback form said that their least favorite part of the community was the amount of vendor talk or like spam or vendor spam. It all just had to come back to like vendors basically trying to sell you stuff and Mm -hmm. when they shouldn't be, right? And it's not answering the question at all. And so that's when I started to really be like, whoa, we could be on a freaking death march to because of this this whole vendor relations kind of thing, I need to be more active in curb tailing it. And so I got pretty heavy and I posted screenshots in the vendor channel of all of these responses. And I said, look, guys, if you want to, guys and women and non-binary, whoever, they, if you want to <laughs> continue at this, then 
you got to tone it down. And if I start seeing it, I'm going to call you out. And then I also added a workflow, which nobody really knows about anymore because we did it for a while. And I guess maybe just the threat of it helped a lot. But if you press an emoji that says add, it automatically has a bot come and it's like, <laughs> I had a lot of fun creating the different bots. Like I have Reno 911 in one channel and then I have like uh, RoboCop in another channel and and they say to you like, hey partner, there's some shady business going on here. You might want to read our rules of engagement. <laughs> and then it posts a link to the rules of engagement. And then it's like, if it is, inter- or if you really feel passionate about this, post it and be shameless. And so like I'm constantly trying to iterate on the way that vendors can get value from the community, but also not to like saturate it and spam the crap out of it. Cool. I have so many questions about this, but I want to slide over to to the meetups for a minute because we're we're already almost to an hour. So how do you run the meetups? So that was another thing that took a lot of pro- like in the beginning, I was driving myself crazy trying to get the guests. Because there's a there's a lot of stuff that anyone who has run a meetup knows goes into running a meetup. But uh, albeit running a meetup online is a lot less overhead than running a meetup live and in person. But there's still like things that need to happen. I could not do a meetup once a week if it were in person. But what happened was is that I was doing the meetups. Just we started with once a week, just kind of because I didn't know any better, and we started doing. And what happened is that I got a bunch of really cool people that I looked up to on LinkedIn that I saw doing a lot of really good stuff and always posting about it. And I would just reach out to them and ask if they want to be on the meetup or, hey, we're starting this community and we're doing this. And and so in the beginning, it was just like I asked them to fill out a Google Doc on their their different bio and their abstract if they had any or also like where we could find them online. And then we'd do the meetup. We'd talk about all the stuff. Uh, if there was any questions that they wanted to touch on, they would have put in that doc. And afterwards, it would be like, all right, cool. Now that they did it, I would create the video. And I was also like chopping up little pieces of the video to make little snippets and clips and then put those on LinkedIn and put them on YouTube and really trying to grow. And then reaching out to others that I felt like were interested in this. And I would say, oh yeah, like check out, we had these people on, they talked about this, you're just kind of social proof. But then when life changed, what happened was because so many meetups were happening all the time. And then I started another community, which was called, or is called Data on Kubernetes. And that was all around like doing data intensive workloads on Kubernetes. I was doing two meetups a week. And sometimes I was doing two meetups for the MLOps community and two meetups for data on Kubernetes. And then I started doing this podcast around AI ethics. And so when that happened, it was like, I cannot continue. Like my wife is going to kill me or divorce me or both. And (laughs) I have to figure out something better, right? Like, so a friend of mine told me, why don't, why are you doing all of this? What's going on? And one thing I didn't realize about community, but communities, the beauty of communities is that everyone's invested in a community, right? Like it's not just one person speaking out to many, like as Mm -hmm. it is if it's an audience, but a community is many to many conversation. And so because we had so many people in the community, there was people that started like raising their hand. Hey, how can I contribute? How can I do more? And 
And so I started getting them on board and that took a little work off my plate. But then my buddy told me, hey, I have this friend who is really good at helping like set up processes. And I met with him probably four or five times. And he asked me, what's everything that you do and everything you would like to do for every single meetup? So I told him, all right, I want to get data from these people like by they fill out this speaker form. I want that data to go onto the website. And then I want I want all of that data also to go onto the meetup page. And then I want the recording to be done like and cut up and have all these little snippets and then uploaded and then the description to be made. And then the person who was the guest on the meetup, I want them to get like a speaker card before the meetup so they can promote it. And then I also want them to get like a a quote slide after the meetup so that they can promote it. And then they, I also want to notify them when their uh, thing is live. There's so much that goes into it that I was only doing maybe half of it. And after we went through all of that and all of the processes, then he was like, okay, here is everything that you want to do. And here's how you can do it. And he told me about VAs. And so I got a VA to help me also. And that's what Thank you, sponsors. The VA is is doing all of this hard work. And so that changed my life too, because it was like, no longer am I sitting there copying paste, copy and pasting stuff from Airtable into meetup.com and like forgetting to tell Ben that his episode is live when it is live, right? So there's so much that changed from when that happened. I'm not sure if that totally answers your question, Charles. More than I wanted you to, but it's interesting because a lot of it mirrors what we do with the podcasts. And I have a VA that does a lot of that work too. So yeah, it's so crucial, man. And it's like, yeah. when you when you do it yourself, you realize what is important. And then when you can take it off your plate, you just like dance for joy. <laughs> so yeah, this is way cool. I just joined and I'm actually going through your campfire thing right now. <laughs> it's a cool community, Charles. You're not gonna it's, you're not gonna regret it. Cool. I'll just if you put that you work for an ML tooling company, it's going to be like, don't break the rules. We'll find out and we'll ban you. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I didn't put that in. That's funny. Demetrius has a special set of skills. He will find out. I wanted to <laughs> Oh, I'm very good at that. Finding people. Anyway, we're kind of out of time. I, I, I so want to dig in so much deeper. In fact, you're probably going to get an email or two from me asking you questions, but... If people want to go join the community, can you give us the best way to do that? And Yeah, it would probably just be going to mlops.community. And then on the bottom, you've got everything that I mentioned. Like you've got the Slack community, you've got the newsletter sign up, you've got the blog there, you've got the tooling page, everything, a link to all of our past meetups and stuff. Also, I know you've got a bunch of smart people that are listening. If there's anybody that feels like they have something to say in this space, we're always looking for new guests. So feel free to reach out to me. Awesome. Yeah, same here. We're always looking for new guests too. <laughs> yeah. It's all, and so, oh, this is something that I forgot to mention, but if you'll allow me, if you'll permit me, I know we've gone over time, but I wanted to jump into it with like asking for help in the community is something that I've found so valuable and realizing that the if you don't ask for something then you can't like expect people to magically know mm -hmm. right so asking for help in the community where we need it 
I realized is such a huge thing. It's not like a weakness, which I thought it was. It's like, oh, I can't run the community on my own and now I need to ask for help. No, like there's people that are really interested in getting involved, but they don't know how because they've never seen anything come through. And how are they just supposed to know that I need help and they're not mind readers, right? So I realized the art of asking, I think there's a TED talk on that probably to like sound a little bit cliche, but the art of asking is it's really important. And especially when it comes to communities and I feel like people get more involved and they feel more part of the community if they are given a bit of responsibility. Mm -hmm. I like it. And it's true. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and push this into picks. Hey, folks, it's Charles Maxwood, and I just wanted to jump in here and let you know about something that I'm doing. It's free. It's out there just to help you get answers to your questions about the things that you're running into with your career. So if you have questions about how to get further ahead in your career, how to start a podcast, how to get a better job, how to get a raise, how to deal with a situation at work with your boss, or just maybe you're stuck and you don't know where to go next. You know, how do I get from junior to senior, senior to whatever's next? How do I become a speaker? How do I get to the next level? That's what I'm out here to do. So every Wednesday at 12 o'clock Mountain Time, I'm going to be doing a call and it's going to be free, totally free. Go to devchat.tv slash level up and you can register for the call. It's using Zoom's webinar software. So it's pretty straightforward. And what we're going to be doing is I'll do 10 minutes and I'll just show you how I do some form of how I level up. And then we'll just answer questions. And it's not going to be a question and answer like, hey, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? And then I say Rocky Road or whatever, right? Instead, what we're looking for is more along the lines of, yeah, I have the situation how do I handle it? I'm trying to figure this thing out. How do I figure it out? I'm trying to stay current. How do I stay current? And if you have any of those kinds of questions, I'll bring you on the call. We'll ask some deeper questions. We'll make sure we get you a solid answer. And I'm really looking forward to helping some people out. There will be no sales, no selling, no nothing on these calls. It is literally just 10 minutes of training and then Q&A. So you can go check it out at devchat.tv slash level up. Francois, do you want to start us with picks? Sure, sure. Like I said, I'm, I'm starting to run out of picks because I'm not finding life-changing things every week. But I have one of the softest picks I've had in a while, but also maybe one I'm having trouble putting into practice. And it's basically to take a break and stand up maybe hourly because I, after a couple hours, you know, you get into a trance and I can easily code for three, four hours and go, oh my God, I feel terrible. And or sometimes you start obsessing about a bug or something and you're like, oh, one more try, one more try. And you just keep it again to that loop and for three hours. And then if you had you take a break and five minutes later, you come back and you fix it. It's good to give your break, uh, a break to your body and, and your brain. And, you know, it's in my case, it's getting gone as bad as setting up a timer and say, OK, it's been an hour and then I ignore it. But I really shouldn't ignore it. So. You know, I, it's it's good. There's all these studies, obviously, coming out that you know, sitting down for a long time uh, consecutively is really bad. Walking around and thinking about ideas is often way more productive than sitting at at your computer trying to think things through. So, you know, if you have the opportunity to do that, that could be a good idea. So, just a friendly reminder of all this stuff that I think we all know, but it's it's good to think about again once in a while when we when we stop doing this. So, yeah, that's the pick. Awesome, Ben. What are your picks? Oh, uh, mine's an inversion. It's was super nerdy. 
super uh, techie. Over the last week or so, been looking at some of the the contributions that people have been submitting to MLflow, and some really exciting, cool stuff coming from a, a partnership between the Selden team and the open source MLflow uh, community. Of getting ML serving as like a push button thing for MLflow. So any data scientists, ML engineers that are out there, that's coming by next release, maybe the release after that, one-liner to get an MLflow PyFunk model low uh, native flavor uh, to just be hosted at ludicrous scale on Selden, Kubernetes-backed. Cool. I didn't have anything to do with that. That's just a shout out to the people that did between the two teams. And there's a, a guy in the, in in London who uh, was managing all of that, the merging of those two. So it was just awesome work. Check it out. Very cool. I'm going to throw out a few picks of my own here. A couple of books. I pick books all the time because I'm running or biking. I don't listen when I swim. <laughs> anyway, I'm doing a triathlon in, in a month. So, But yeah, when I'm out on the trail and stuff, I'm listening to books all the time. And so I'm going to throw out a couple of the books that I've read recently. One of them is called Tribe of Millionaires. I don't know if I talked about this last week. It get toward the end of the week and it all kind of runs together. But it talks about the people you associate with, kind of mastermind group ideas, and how that affects who you are and how you get where you want to go. And so I'm going to shout out about that uh, just because I really, really enjoyed the book. I think there's still time for you to sign up for the podcast boot camp if you want to learn how we run the podcasts at Top End Devs. So I'm going to shout out about that as well. And finally, I'm actually going to be putting out a premium show and it's going to be kind of behind the scenes. It's just stuff that I don't necessarily want to completely discuss publicly, but I know there are people who are interested in what we're doing behind the scenes and where we're going with stuff like rebranding to top end devs and, you know, all the other plans and things that we've got going on. So if you want me to kind of walk through that stuff and get kind of the, the, back-end view of a lot of this stuff. I'm going to be putting that together. If you go to... I'm just going to throw out a link and then uh, we'll make it connect. But it's going to be topendevs.com slash premium podcast. And uh, you'll be able to go sign up for it. I think I'm going to put it up for five bucks a month. I'm going to be releasing at least every week talking about what I'm working on. And yeah, I'm kind of just finalizing a lot of the pieces of the plan. And we'll, we'll see how that goes. So you can check that out too. Demetrios, what are your picks? So I'm going to piggyback your book ones. And there are some amazing podcast books that I've been listening or reading. Actually, I listened to one, read another one lately and it's all from that npr mafia that makes those great shows like serial and this american life and radio lab and the first book is called make noise and it is incredible if you are thinking about or you have a podcast this is a must read must listen and the other one oh no i have the book i have it here but now i'm not uh, it's called out on the wire or of the wire i think it's called out on the wire and it is a comic book kind of book. And it gives so many gems to the whole narrative style podcast, which I don't actually do. I do the podcast like you guys are doing right now. But I've been very enticed by the narrative style. And I'm thinking I'm actually doing some with... We're, we're trying to do some. Uh, and it's so hard. And because we've never done it before. And it's such a new undertaking. But... There's that. And then, so those are the two books that I've been reading slash love. The other ones, 
that I think are incredible. Just going back to listening, the podcast, the Radio Lab podcast about space is brutal. It is so good. If you haven't listened to that, that is like an experience, oh, just an ama- amazing experience. And the um, this one that I think it was called like Dr. Death or something, another Radio Lab one about this woman who wrote those like the five stages of grieving, but she didn't actually mean to write five stages of grieving about after someone dies. It's like as they're going into dying. But great podcast. Mm. Those are my picks. Good stuff. Yeah, I just picked up the Make Noise book. That's probably the next one I'll listen to. Nice. It's so good. You're not going to regret it. Yeah. All right. Well, people want to connect with you. What are the best ways to do that? So probably LinkedIn. Uh, I'm pretty active there. And then Twitter, not so active, but we are active on the MLOps community. Twitter, which is just at MLOps community. Uh, Mm -hmm. LinkedIn, it's Demetrios Brinkman or LinkedIn slash DPB. R-I-N-K-M. And I'm sure you'll have a link for it in the description or whatever. So yeah, somebody couldn't catch that. Yeah, we'll get it in there. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up here. Thanks for coming. This was really cool. Yeah, this was awesome. I really enjoyed the conversation. All right, folks. Till next time, Max out. All right, bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.